In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the everyone and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. Uh, was there a curse at, at the original Doc Shadows? 
Well, let's see. Barnabas had a curse put on him to be a vampire until uh, he was either cured or died. So, And then Quentin Collins had a curse put on him to be a werewolf. So, yeah, there was a number of curses throughout the show on the different characters. It's kind of an interesting show. I mean, I, I grew up with it. I, I used to uh, do part-time jobs and stuff, but when Dark Shadows came on, that was my break time. I, I would stop and actually go and watch that uh, that that soap opera, basically. And, and Bottomus Columns, who was the main character in it, uh, it, it's really interesting because he had so much to do and carried so much of it that, that eventually they added all these other characters just to take some of the load off him. <laughs> Yeah, that that's what they did for poor old Jonathan. They gave him a break, and they brought um, David Selby in, who was uh, Quentin Collins, and he really took a lot of the workload off of Jonathan Frid. And uh, he also became one of the uh, so-called sex symbols of the show, so <laughs> things worked out well for him. He went on to, um, what was the nighttime soap opera he went on to? Falcon Crest or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Falcon Crest. I mean, never watched it, but I do remember it. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of cool. And um, you you are the proprietor along with the, you know you know Brian. I don't, I don't know your last name. Imagine that. <laughs> it's Gray G R A Y. Oh yeah, I do. To remember. I, I do know it, but uh, you know I had one of those Anheuser moments. Or in hose, whatever. <laughs> but but uh, yeah. So, anyways, you you are the proprietor along with uh, Jerry, who is she is your wife, right? Yes, she is. You're right. And uh, the Collinwood Inn, which is really the what's what's the name of the the the, the real mansion? It's the uh, Farnham Mansion. Mm-hmm. The uh, the original owner was Stephen H. Farnham, and his family. The house was built uh, roughly 1863. And and you guys have turned it into a and b uh, It is haunted. And the, the whole B&B theme is actually a Doc Shadows theme, isn't that correct? Yes, it is. Uh, four of our rooms are all named after characters from the show. And it, uh, we do whatever we can to um, make things as... Uh, as enjoyable in the dark shadows vein for people that come to stay as we possibly can. Well, I have to ask, you guys don't actually dress up the pots, do you? Not at the moment, no, but we have considered it. <laughs> you know, that's not a bad idea, actually. But anyways, and uh, do you have a website that people can uh, actually go and uh, take a look at this place? Uh, yes, we do. It's uh, Collinwood Inn. Um, just a second. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> I'm not the only one to get stuck. <laughs> Anyways, it's in Oneida, New York, and uh, it really is a, a cool house. Uh, I've seen the, the photos of it, and uh, it, uh, let me see if I have the thing myself. Which is, Look, is I that? asked my wife for the website, and she can't even give it to me either. Oh, well. Anyways, um... I believe it's collinwoodin.webs.com. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Anyway. <laughs> so um, we actually have a, uh, a guest on the show, and would you like to introduce him for us? Um, are we talking about Marcus Zerwicki? 
Mm-hmm. Ah, yes, Marcus. He's um, he is the founding mem- um, member of the New York State Paranormal Research, and he is also co-author of a new book by Linda Lee Mackin coming out soon called Ghost Hunting the Mohawk Valley. Oh, cool. So uh, why don't we bring him on the line? Uh, Marcus, you there? I am. Welcome uh, to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So this, uh, have you, I mean, uh, there's a new book out. It's called, uh, once again, what, what something of the uh, Mohawk Valley. What's the name of that again, Brian? Ghost, Ghost Hunting, Hunting the Mohawk, the Mohawk Valley. Valley. Ghost Hunting the Mo- Mohawk Valley. And how are you uh, associated with this book? Well, um, I'm co-founder of New York State Paranormal Research, and basically the book is based on uh, research investigations we've done throughout the area. Um, Linda Lee Mackin is actually as the co-author with Black Hat Press, and she's the okay. one that kind of masterminded the whole thing. All right, and um, have you investigated the uh, Fodham House before or the Collinwood Inn? Uh, we have. It was very interesting. We've gotten some great evidence out of there. So why, why don't I let Brian uh, take the lead on this, since uh, I assume you were there, Brian. Yeah, I think I was. I remember being <laughs> here at that time of day when uh, when they were here. Okay. Um, so you... Go ahead. <laughs> well, why don't we just um, give the people a little informa- uh, background information about you, Marcus? Um, like, how did you get started in, in, in interested in the paranormal? Um, I have to say that I've always been interested in it, um, ever since uh, I was younger, picking up books from Hans Holzer and uh, going and watching John Zaffis, people of that nature. But me personally, I just found it interesting. I always figured there was life after death and something above the beyond and now. So was there anything that ever, like, happened when you were uh, a child that really got you interested? Like, were you able to talk to spirits or see them or something happened that just made it all click and said, hey, I'm really interested in that? Not me personally. Uh, My uh, partner, Kano, actually had a personal experience with uh, family members who have passed away in his family. But me personally, no, I've just always felt like there was something out there, but I've never had anything personal actually happen to me. Uh, Okay. Um, Now, do you consider yourself a ghost hunter or a paranormal investigator? That's a good question, actually. I would actually consider myself a paranormal investigator. Um, so what, let me ask you. Those well, let, let me ask you this. I mean, okay, you call yourself paranormal investigator. Uh, what is the difference between a ghost hunter and a paranormal investigator? Well, I think for myself, I'm saying um, we do a lot of research before we go into a location and afterwards. Um, we do about a month or two of research on a location if we can get as much as possible. Great, and then we go in. And we use similar equipment, so I guess a ghost hunter, but we don't just jump into anything. 
all right. Uh, it's sort of, I think it's more of your philosophy than than the true definition of the, of the two. Uh, right. I mean, they're kind of coincide with each other. It's hard to say who a ghost hunter is and who a paranormal research investigator is. I, I, think I guess it's, it's prob- all I'm like. Yeah, I, I think it's probably what you call yourself more than anything, or what other people call you. I guess that's uh, what it comes down to. Sure, sure. So, anyways, go ahead, Brian. I uh, interrupt you as usually I do. Oh, that's no problem. I don't <laughs> mind being interrupted. I'm married. Remember? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just got dirty looks for that one. Yeah, that's a um, good fear. How how do your friends and uh, family feel about you in investigating all the paranormal stuff that you do? Well, they all support me, and they definitely support the group. I mean, there's been times where we've gone out of town and out of state overnight, and they get worried about that. But uh, other than a few raised eyebrows when we first started doing it, I have to say that Everybody supports me and supports Connell and definitely supports the group. How long have you been doing it? Uh, we started our group in 2004. So rel- relatively new then? Definitely relatively new. But um, we've gone to a lot of places and done a lot of investigating here. And um, we've done a few places in Massachusetts, like the Lizzie Borden House. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've been there. That's that's interesting. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, what, what other places? Any others in Massachusetts that I might know of? Um, we're actually getting ready to go to the Houghton Mansion in March. Yeah, we were actually the first to investigate the Houghton Mansion uh, okay. with the Masons. Uh, there was an author, oh, years ago by the name of Sherry Riveris, and I think she is from New York, by the way, and she was writing a book called Haunted Massachusetts, and they wanted to include the uh, Houghton Mansion in it, and uh, the Masons said sure, but they wanted to, to check it out uh, to make sure it was haunted, so they, they called us in years ago. But, yeah, it's a it's an awesome place, absolutely awesome place. You have a blast there. And of course, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, well, Ghost Adventures were in the near as well, so that was cool. So, have you invested, investigated the Collinwood? I assume you have, right? Um, yes, we did go into the Collinwood not too long ago. Mm-hmm. I have to say, we've gotten some great evidence out of there. Um, one in particular piece of evidence I can remember is we were all in the attic. Uh, Brian, Jerry, myself, and my partner Connell. And um, we we're using the ovulus, and um, we said we're going to turn it off now. And we um, realized by playing the audio back, we had audio recorders going. We heard a disembodied voice saying, "I know." So we thought that was pretty interesting. Can, can I ask you this now? Was it an EVP or was it, as you said, a, a disembodied voice? Um, well, we did hear something. While we're in the attic, I think Brian can agree to that, and I know Jerry heard it, but playing the audio recorder back, we did capture it on an EVP. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, well, I mean, you can capture uh, on a recorder uh, um, without being an EVP. Uh, right. right. Well, I mean, we heard, we heard it, and by playing the evidence back, we did 
Yeah, so 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 in, in reality, it wasn't an EVP because the, an EVP is really a manifestation uh, of the white noise on a recorder versus uh, an audio which is actually uh, recorded on a recorder. So in in reality, it was it wasn't an EVP. That, that that's kind of my pet peeve because a lot of people uh, use the two uh, interchangeably, and it, and it really isn't that that way, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah. Well then, I'd have to if I'd have to lean on. Then it was a disembodied voice, right? More exactly. Than exactly. Exactly. I mean, it, it's just it, it's it's not your fault. It's just uh, and, and I wasn't put in fault actually. Uh, it's it's just that today with so many shows on uh, the TV and and uh, internet radio shows and and so forth, there's a lot of uh, not really good information going out there. In other words. Uh, Information that that uh, is not necessarily true. So I mean, and then it gets uh, repeated over and over again, and, and soon it becomes true. So, anyways, that's that's just my little soapbox. I'm sorry about that. No, so Brian, fine. <laughs> save my butt here, will you? Before I get in any more <laughs> trouble. <laughs> well, I can agree with you on some of the EVPs that you hear on shows because mm-hmm. you really can't understand what they're saying if you close your eyes. Mm-hmm. When they're replaying them and don't right. see what they say that they're, it's supposed to be saying, mm-hmm. and when you listen and you listen nine times out of ten, it doesn't sound anything like what they're saying on the show that this voice said. Right. I mean, EVPs are really tricky. Uh, you know, there there are classes of them, which makes it difficult. Uh, a, B, and C, and, and D, I have they have now as well. And I think that's because of so many radio shows. I mean, so many shows out there. Um, the, the class A. I mean, it, it, anybody you just play it, and everybody hears it. They don't have to be told. And then a class B is 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 a little bit open to interpretation. So uh, those are the ones that I I really. Uh, you know anything else below that? I just like whatever. Um, but uh, you know those those are the ones that I I truly believe. And, uh, but the funny thing about it too is is I, I've worked with some I've had the uh, the honor to work with some really really good EVP specialists. Uh, Mike Markowitz uh, from uh, Massachusetts, also uh, Karen Marcy, whose work was used in uh, uh, White Noise and also in the Ghost Whisperer. And uh, I, I found out that the they have this ear, uh, and this is what they say, and that they'll hear something on there, and if I hear it, I'm not going to hear it. In other words, their ears seem to be tuned to this or whatever it is, and they hear these things clear as day. It's like, we can't hear that. I mean, that's somehow that, that minority of uh the, the people that deal with EVPs all the time that really work, that they can hear just really, to me, it sounds like static, but yet they hear distinct voices. So can I say they're wrong or right? No, I just can't hear it. And I just say that, well, I'm sorry, I can't hear it. But, yeah, EVPs are, I think, totally misunderstood nowadays. And, uh, in fact, the, the original EVPs, uh, which stands for Electronic Voice Phenomena, for those who don't know, um, you know, it, it's actually a manifestation of the white noise on a recorder. So if you had two recorders in the same room and you uh, got a a voice on both of them, it wouldn't be a true EVP because the, the static uh, would have to be manipulated on both of them, and, which is uh, not not uh, um, accepted as, as 
as uh, something that can be done. It doesn't mean it can't, but just it's just not accepted. Uh, the American uh, EVP, from, uh, what they used to do is they used to go around with a video camera, and if they picked up any of the voices on a video camera, they would totally rule them out uh, uh, as EVPs. So, anyways, that's my my little talk on EVPs. <laughs> and a very interesting talk it was. Yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> Boring the <laughs> hell out of everyone. <laughs> but anyways, um, uh, Marcus, uh, you have been investigating since uh, 2004. Uh, is your team, do you consider a scientific-based team? And, and that word is thrown out a lot uh, lately. Uh, or do you use spiritual methods as well? Um, we use a lot of the, um, I would call, equipment. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. say that we're spiritually based. We don't use a medium mm-hmm. or a sensitive on any of our investigations. Um, we use a lot of, I guess, the general equipment that most people use, EMF reader, audio recorders. Um, we have used dowsing rods, mm-hmm. digital cameras, security camera, and most importantly, our own bodies. Because, I mean, I guess that would be the most important tool you have. That's uh, very astute of you, actually, because most people uh, actually discount our bodies, and, and we are the best ghost detector, if you want to use that term, parenthesis, uh, that's out there. Uh, our bodies seem to be more sensitive to spirit energy than any piece of equipment or, uh, that's around. So, I mean, that's, that's very astute of you, I believe. Other than that, I mean, besides doing research going in, and we don't discount any place being haunted or not haunted. You can go to a place a thousand times and not capture any evidence going there once and could be all kinds of activity happening. So we don't ever say a place is totally not haunted. Right. So do you, I mean, is that one thing that you do? Do you declare a place haunted or not haunted? We don't. We okay, don't. That's cool. What we do is we come in and uh, we'll go through, do an investigation. We'll write a report on anything we either captured or we felt. Uh, we definitely like to keep a good rapport with anybody that we speak to that either owns the location or is a caretaker. We give them the evidence and uh, we try and keep in touch with them. But we never say whether or not a place is haunted or not haunted. That's not really for us to say. Okay. I, I agree the same way with you. Uh, so, Brian, let me ask you this, and you're my co-host, so you actually should be asking the questions, but that's okay. <laughs> it's my show. Um, <laughs> I mean, how many times has the Farnwood House or the uh, Collinwood End been investigated, and what do you think has been the most uh, astute uh uh, evidence that has been collected there? Uh, let's see if I can remember the exact number. We have been investigated five times. Uh-huh. Uh, we have some interesting EVPs from in the attic that were not picked up by ear or anything until you listened to the recorder and played it back. Uh, I can't say the words that the one EVP said because it's not exactly allowed on air, but it was three three spirits 
two male and a female, one right after the other, all saying the not-so-kind words. Okay. It was a four-letter word that began with an F, mm-hmm. and then it ended with a, another three-letter word that said U. Okay, we can get that idea. <laughs> uh, so, we've had pictures of, um, uh, let me see, shadow people, like dark shadowy masses that when we uh, put them onto the computer to see if it was like a thumb or something that was in the way of the lens, we lightened the pictures up and you could actually see through these dark masses. Mm-hmm. And see, like in one of them, there's you can see the chair right behind it. In another one that I got from uh, the last investigation that was done here, you can actually see the uh, banister handrail as this figure is going into one of the bedrooms. Oh, wow, that's cool. And... Uh, uh, there, there's there's a lot of different things that have happened that we got we have pictures of some extremely strange pictures. We've had things happen in this house that were uh, totally unreal. One of the things that happened was uh, Jerry was looking up information on the computer about the original owner Stephen Farnham, mm-hmm. and we were sitting there late one night, and I just looked at her and I said. I don't think Mr. F really likes you looking up all this information on him because it was some stuff we had found out about um, bank foreclosure on a mortgage that he had and some oh boy. few other things and that. And she kind of just kind of laughed it off. And then next thing we know, one of the light bulbs in the chandelier in the kitchen came flying out of the socket. The, the screw-in metal part was still in the, in the chandelier. The bulb itself was like it was just ripped right out of out of the uh, lamp itself. Mm-hmm. Came flying down onto the floor. Didn't break. It was still red and glowing, and just spun around on the floor until it stopped. Oh, that's kind of cool. I, I know that we're coming up the break. Mark, you're going to hang around after the break for us, aren't you? Definitely. Okay. Cool. Anyways, uh, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting uh, house, and uh, I, I love. I've gone on your website and looked at some of the rooms and everything else. So it's it's definitely a cool place. Uh, so, anyways, we have to take a break right now. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles: Next Generation with uh, Ron Kolick and Brian Gray of the Collinwood Inn, and our special guest is Marcus Zawicki. And we'll be right back after the following messages here. Here on Toginet, and we—I understand there will be a call from Ann when we come back. So this should be interesting. We'll be right back. Welcome to Toginet. Radio with a cutting edge. Renowned and gifted psychic medium, Sylvia Rossi, explores the mysteries of this life, the afterlife, and the unseen world that surrounds us all. In the show called Make Contact with Sylvia Rossi, Wednesdays at 2, 1 p.m. Central here on Toginet. Sylvia Rossi with her special guests and other fellow psychics invite you to call in and make contact with the world beyond and get answers to your questions. 
Psychic medium Sylvia Rossi has been sharing her gift professionally for the last 17 years. Sylvia has made it her mission to help individuals and families understand their eternal connection to loved ones that have passed on, bringing relief and comfort to countless souls who have been touched by her gift. She's had the privilege of meeting and working with many psychologists who continue to recommend their clients to her when conventional methods have failed. Now it's your turn to make contact with host and psychic medium, Sylvia Rossi, Wednesdays at 2, 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. Uh, Ann is not with us today, but I understand uh, she will be joining us shortly. But anyways, uh, my special guest today is Brian Gray from the Collinwood Inn in Oneida, New York. And our very special guest is uh, Barker's Wiki of uh, which group, uh, Marcus? Uh, New York State Paranormal Research. New York State Paranormal. Well, anyways, uh, I do understand that we do have a phone call from Ann, so uh, let's see what she has to say. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, all the way from the North Pole is our little elf herself, the blonde bombshell, Ann Kerrigan. Hey, Ann! Well, hey there, Ron. Here I am up with Santa Claus. With, uh, we're going over the naughty list. Right, because, you know, he's not giving any gifts to anybody who's been naughty. You know that, That's right? right? That's right. So I have to get it from the source. Right. So we are actually uh, taking up the slack. You know, the old fat man doesn't want to give. We will. That's right. So uh, we ran this contest on our Facebook page, which is? Uh, Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. Right. And all you had to do was go on and say you were naughty and... We uh, took all the naughty, deprived people, and uh, well, actually good, deprived people, and uh, we selected one of them to get a paranormal package of stuff. And we had so many naughty people. I can't tell you. Those it must be my heart. Those must be my fans. <laughs> I think we had one nice person in there, but I still put her in the drawing. You did? Oh, you're nicer than I am. That's why you're not in it. That's uh-huh. all right. It doesn't matter. She's nice, but she still wants presents. Oh, well. So. Tell her there's a Walmart down the street. All right. <laughs> all right. Okay, so a little drum roll, right? You, you, you selected the name, right? And? I pulled this name out of the big box. Oh, stuff. Bag, bag, right? Big Santa bag? Well, yeah. Okay. Well, Santa won't let me use his bag for the naughty people. But anyways, and I chose out of the naughty box, Amy, the four... Huh? Is that English? Yes. No, it's not. It's, what do you mean, is it English? Did you speak English? Sephora Fonte? What the hell is that? You're terrible. Amy, Sephora. It could be Sephori, but I think it's Sephora. Uh-huh. And she uh, is from the wonderful state of Pennsylvania. Yay, Pennsylvania. Beautiful, beautiful state. Love Pennsylvania. So, Amy, do we have her address? Uh, we will need to get Amy's address. So she's going to have to message me, right? Yes. Message Ron on Facebook, uh, on our Ghost Chronicles page, and he'll get you the big box can, stuff. Can, can you message the Ghost Chronicle page? I don't think if you not, can. they can message you personally. On, uh, on your personal page, Ron Kolek. Ronald. Ronald Kolek. Oh, right. oh, I'm sorry. Right. Not to be confused with my uh, half-witted son. Oh, Oh, you should be on that naughty list. That's I am. Terrible. That's who I am. No, actually, I, I love my son. He knows it. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, He's anyway. So, anyway, um, Amy, 
Give us your name, and we'll send you this great box of stuff. All right. Just keep being naughty. Yeah. What do you get? You get a personal uh, greeting from you and I as well, right? Yes. Yes, you're going to get your own personal naughty Christmas greeting from Braun and I. Right. Ann's got a centerfold. No. No, no. They'll never open it. Don't tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is running long. We got people on the line and yada, yada, yada. So we want to thank Amy for uh, entering our naughty contest and all the other ones that did, too. We love our naughty people. We do. We do. Keep
and then he followed up with a phone call. Okay. So, and uh, do you, I mean, let me ask you this, because you have a haunted place, do you find that you get inundated with uh, people trying to investigate it, or, I mean, how how do you, you, you deal with these uh, different groups that would like to investigate your place? Actually, we're still riding under the covers of a lot of these groups, mm-hmm. because we're so new to everybody that... Um, we get some emails from people. Um, we got one. We got an investigation coming up in June. Uh, the group is called Ghost Team. Mm-hmm. Um, they also do uh, um, documentaries and that on the places that they go to. Mm-hmm. So they're coming here to do a, an all-night investigation and make a documentary on the Collinwood Inn. Oh, excellent. But usually we we get emails and then we check out the team itself first, and we if they have a website we check out their website. If they only have a Facebook page, we check out the Facebook page, mm-hmm. and we go by what we see. And if we like what we see, then we contact these groups. Right. Because yeah, yeah like yeah, the, the, I mean, it, to, nowadays there are so many different groups out there. I mean, when I started, there were like, if you went on the internet, there were probably two dozen in the country, and and now there's probably two dozen in any city. <laughs> so, yeah, it's difficult uh, to keep, you know, to try to find uh, reputable groups, really. Yeah, we just uh, we investigate the group as much as we can to um, see because we had found something out about one group that was coming that you know we weren't overly pleased with and you know things got kind of kind of cut off there. But uh, that's a long long sorted story. But uh, anyways, back to the book, Marcus. <laughs> oh yes, uh, yeah, we do. I, you know how I do straight. So uh, we're talking with Marcus Wazicki, and he contributed to this book, Ghost Hunting in the Mohawk Valley, and is is it out yet? Um, No, it'll be out in 2012. We don't have an exact date yet, but as soon as we do, we will uh, post it on the Facebook, our website. (laughs) um, We're co-authors with Linda Lee Mackin from Black Cat Press. And what we did was we compiled a bunch of cases that we've done in the past, and we sent them to her, and she chose the top ones, and I guess she's going to make a paperback about it, Ghost Hunting in the Mohawk Valley. Hopefully everybody enjoys it. And definitely the Collinwood will be in it. Do you know how many places will be in it? Um, I know that we gave her over 30 locations. I'm not sure on because of editing issues and the size of the book, how many she'll actually put in. But I know there'll be quite a few of them. Right. So I, I'm interested, of course, being from Massachusetts, and uh, in, in not to get away from the Collinwood Inn, uh, Brian, but uh, the Lizzie Borden House. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, Oh, very, very interesting location. We were lucky enough to get down there, and it was me and my partner, Kano, and one other um, couple stayed there, and the caretaker. So it was very empty that night, 
Um, we went down there, and I stayed in the father's room, the stepfather's room, and Connell stayed in Lizzie's room. And we did do the investigation. Connell felt something grab him in the ribs at one point in the basement, and at the same time, I heard a disembodied voice say, hey, Obviously, we've already talked about the difference between EVPs and disembodied voice, so this would have been, I heard it with my own ears. Mm-hmm. And interesting enough, that place gave me um, such a feeling that I kind of didn't even want to stay in the room alone. We ended up staying there. It was a great time, though. Fall River, Massachusetts, great place. And it's amazing how big that city is, and they still have that original house there. Right. Did you uh, get to see uh, Lizzie's, the house she moved into? I mean, I know you can't go in it because it's a private residence, uh, but I don't know if you you drove by it or not, but that was interesting as well. Um, We didn't get a chance to check that out. Uh, We were really excited to get in there, and um, we went through the tour with the caretaker, and we kind of just settled in, you know, getting ready for the night. What about you? You said you went there. How how did you feel about going in there? And uh, it, was, it was interesting. Uh, I assume you met Leanne, right? Uh, yeah. Leanne Wilbur? Yep, Leanne Wilbur. Yeah. Yep, yeah. yeah uh, we actually have a great... Uh, uh, well, we got a lot of int- interesting stuff from them. We, we've been there a few times. Uh, we've done a couple of broadcasts from there as well. Um, last time we were there, which was really cool, uh, she uh, let us listen to a phone call that she received, and, had, and the, the, the uh, area code on it was nine one one, which was interesting nine one one six six six, and then it was a, a number, and it was uh, uh, we kind of analyzed it a little bit, and it said something like uh, something uh, I can't remember the exact words. Oh, cool. Uh, too many EVPs, I think. But anyways, it was something like, uh, I can't believe I'm dead, I've lost my head, or something like that. It was it was kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, it's a neat place. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the chapters in uh, Maureen, who is uh, a trans medium that I work with, uh, she and I wrote a couple of books, but the first book, uh, Ghost Chronicles, there's a chapter in it, and it kind of describes some of the the, the things that we faced in there, and, and for her, more than anything, was a, uh, uh, ooh, I mean, uh, an overwhelming uh, hatred of me, I guess you would say, because I, I remember uh, saying that she, she was uh, in the kitchen and uh, she was looking for a hatchet, actually, to drive it in my head. So, yeah, that was kind of neat, yeah. <laughs> it was an interesting place, but uh, good. Um, yeah, yeah it's great. Go ahead. Definitely a location you don't want to take lightly. Go in there and be very serious. Anybody who plans on investigating the Lizzie Borden house or any other location for that matter. And one thing I have to say is don't take anything home with you because you never know what could be attached to it. Well, well how, do you, how do you prevent them from coming home to you, for, with you, Marcus? Well, I just, I know from going in and doing investigations that I try not to disturb anything. I try not to disrespect anybody, whether it be a spirit or it be a caretaker or the house itself. And I don't take anything home with me. 
That's just my own personal belief. Okay. So let me ask you this, uh, Brian, and, and you're still with us, right? Uh, yeah, I'm still here. So quiet, so quiet. Oh, yeah, let me, just enjoying I'll, the conversation. Uh, I'll talk all the time, you know, unless somebody shuts me up. You know that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so you got to jump in there. But, uh, I, I mean, have you ever, I mean, been threatened at the Collinwood? I mean, do you feel any any uh, malevolent, uh, is that the word, malevolent, benevolent, malevolent uh, spirits at, at, the, at any time there? Oh, heck no, no. The worst thing that ever happened here was during one investigation, there was, uh, it was for, a, a, it was open to the public. It was part of a radio station's haunted history for the month of October. The first investigation here, there was a group of people downstairs with one of the investigators, and uh, Dr. Crockett in the basement, he was in a kind of a bad mood that night mm-hmm. because there was people bugging him, I guess. And uh, Dr. Crockett, he's the uh, third owner of the house who uh, died of a massive heart attack down in the basement. Just to give you a little history on who he is and why he was down there in the basement. Anyways, they were trying to get him to use the uh, the flashlight thing to do some talking. Oh, yeah. And uh, he was doing it for a bit, and then, then he just, you know, kind of like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. Don't bother me. And the guy kept trying to get him, kept saying to him, okay, do one more thing and we'll go and, and we'll leave you alone. And, you know, he kept saying that and saying that. And then finally, Dr. Crockett just went over to him and gave him a smack in the back of the head. Really? Yeah. As if to say, I've had enough. Get out of the basement now. Huh. Wow, that's pretty kind of cool, actually. Yeah, and that's... Yeah, but- Marcus, have you ever have you ever had any uh, physical stuff like that happen to you? Um, I have to say that I've been grabbed um, at the First Presbyterian Church. One of our earlier investigations, I was uh, felt like I was grabbed from behind, almost to be pulled back. I've felt um, dizzy and nauseous a few times, or felt where I needed to sit down in a location. But other than that. Never had anything smack me in the back of the head. Not yet, at least. <laughs> what I well, had to ask just... you was, how do you feel about some of the equipment that people use nowadays, like the Obulus and the Frank's box, and are you for or against that? As far as, like, equipment? Yeah, yeah probably... like it's... I, I am totally open to everything as far as uh, for paranormal investigating. Um, it's it's a totally unknown field. It's it is the unknown. That's it's not the normal. It's the paranormal. We don't know what's going to work and what's not work. And if we believe that spirits can manipulate things, then they can manipulate virtually anything. I mean, if you use trigger objects like glasses of whiskey or toys or whatever. Uh, and, and they can manipulate it. Why couldn't they manipulate electronic device? When Ghost Radar came out, for instance, uh, Ghost Radar came out, and, and I, I laughed at it, I, you know, because I'm sure the science wasn't very good at that. But yet I thought the same thing. I said, well, you know what? If they can manipulate other things, why couldn't they manipulate it? So, I mean, we, we use virtually everything. And in fact, speaking about Ghost Radar, I have a paranormal study group that meets uh, once a month, 
at the Circles of Wisdom in Andover. In fact, uh, next Tuesday we're meeting. And, uh, um, but we took the ghost radar, and there was a, a murder case that happened here in Massachusetts, uh, New Hampshire, actually. And we just had a newspaper article, not too much information. And this is when the case first broke, when they found the body of a little boy. And we just all concentrated on it, and we let the ghost radar run. And yet we recorded, of course, all the words that was said. And then a month later when we met, of course, the case had broken and everything else. And of all the lists, you know, the, the big list, there was a lot of words that were directly associated with the case. I mean, there was some of them you could definitely make fit. But, for instance, the, the name of the lawyer came up, uh, the state they were from. There was, I mean, there was a lot of really specific information to the case. So, you know, does that make that as a, a, a great piece of evidence uh, that, that it's, you know, it's definitely good? Uh, no, but it's certainly interesting to, to, to play with. So, yeah, we'll try anything. It's like the flashlight thing. I'm not really big on the flashlight thing. I haven't really seen it work uh, really good except uh, one time at the Rose Island Lighthouse and where we're getting quick, direct answers to our questions. Uh, so I'm open up. I'm up. You know, I'm up in the air on that one. Whether it works, but yeah, you try whatever you want. I mean, that's it's totally open. Uh, so yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Seriously, I mean, th- there was one investigation that um, you ever see a pen box, and I'm, I'm probably saying this wrong. Is Maureen's not here to correct me. It's basically a, a thing that has all like little plastic pens on it. You could put it on your face if you you do it. You know, shows the profile of your face. Yeah, or you put it on your hand, it'll mold. Yes, I, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you saw that, right? So I know oh, years ago uh, we were doing an investigation in this this house, and uh, um, I had to get a, a black light. I use a black light to to rule out uh, like. Uh, dust particles and stuff, but when you do it, I'm getting orbs and stuff. So, but anyway, so my wife had bought me this black light, and it came with this silly pen box. So we did an investigation at this house, and uh, we set up some equipment for the night, and we just let it run. We we locked it all up in the house, and I said, okay, I'm going to put this pen box here, and you know, nothing to lose. So I, let's see what happens. So we left the house. Next day, we got back with the owner and. Uh, as we reached the uh, the uh, kitchen, uh, we could hear a high whining noise, uh, like a high-pitched noise. Uh, you couldn't go through the kitchen door because it was swollen tight. You couldn't go. So we had to go through the bulkhead down and through the upstairs. And as we reached the kitchen, the noise stopped. And we came in there, and I just, you know, ran into the kitchen. And I wanted this, you know, oh, wow, I'm going to see this face in this pen box because that's, you know, your high hopes. But anyways, I, I did run up to the pen box, and sure enough, uh, it didn't have a face or a hand or anything, but there was five of the pins in different locations on there that were actually pushed all the way out. So it was not like a little mouse could climb up and push them out. Uh, it, it was very unique. So, you know, was that proof of the paranormal? But no, but it certainly uh, was interesting. And, you know, what there was no logical explanation for it, uh, no, no matter what we thought. So, yeah, you can use anything. And that's and not a bad idea to try different things. No, I definitely, I've used, in a residence, we use the Ghost Radar app, and it kind of coincides with some of the responses from the ovulus as well. So I have to agree with saying that it, it is interesting that an app on a phone would be able to 
like you said, the spirits would be able to manipulate anything, so why not the app on the phone? Right. So, I, Brian, was, I was you, asking you... Go ahead. I'm go ahead. sorry. Go ahead. No, go. Cool. No, I was asking you uh, during the break. I had gotten a Chris Balzano book, uh, Picture Yourself Ghost Hunting, and it came with a video, and oh, I yeah. thought I had seen you on that video, and I wondered if that was true. Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, that's uh, that's an interesting video. Um, uh, it's um, the, I search for the Pukwudgies in the uh, Freetown State Forest, and that's when Maureen, who's a transmedium, um, actually, uh, you know, transchanneled one of these creatures or some t- something, anyways. And I actually had to tackle her and throw it to the ground, throwing a fill nut. She dislocated my finger that day. I actually have twice, but it, it was interesting because we were going through this this forest, and uh, we had a thermal imaging with us, and we kept, you know, sensing that something was following us, and we'd see this dark, dark shadow uh, in the woods all the time. And so finally, it was one point, and I was I was ahead of the group, but uh, there was one point when Thermal Dan uh, said, "Ron, you got to get back here." And what had happened? This dark shadow had stopped. And it was stationary there, and then all of a sudden it just started to uh, form in the in like a face, uh, almost like this screen face, you know, from the, that face. And it got larger and larger, and it came closer and closer. And then finally, uh, Maureen uh, got possessed or, or transchanneled, uh, whatever the creature was. So it's interesting stuff. Yeah, it was. It was definitely an interesting video. Yeah, uh, for those who don't know what a trans channel is, uh, trans channel is that's basically the Whoopi Goldberg character in Ghost. And um, I worked with Maureen for many years. I didn't even believe in mediums and anything, but until I met her, and uh, yeah, there, I found out there are many spirits out there that don't like me, uh, and they finally have a uh, a body to get back at me at times. And uh, we've had some interesting. Uh, you know, combat, I guess you would say. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, that was me. Okay. I can't believe that's the, that's the uh, pizza. It's here. No, that's the two-minute warning. Um, we're about out of time. Can you believe that, Brian? No, I can't. That was that was too quick. Yeah, I know. It's because I talk too much. That's my problem. Are you trying to say you get verbal diarrhea once in a while? Uh, are you trying to say? I, I am saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I go on and on. That's uh, it's uh, unfortunate, um, but that's the way it is. But anyways, uh, Marcus, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show. You were awesome. Uh, we wish you best of luck uh, ghost hunting. And if we do ever go to the Collinwood Mansion, and that's really our goal, we really want to get down there. Uh, Ian and I both do. And uh, so next year in 2012, that's our goal to get down there. So hopefully, we maybe we'll meet you there or something. All right, well, thank you so much, Ron, for having me on. Thank you, Brian. It oh, was a welcome. pleasure, as always. And, uh, and good luck. Good luck with the book. Good luck with the Thank you. We'll definitely be posting it as soon as we get a definite date. I just want to say thank you to Brian, Linda Lee Mackin, and the Collinwood is definitely a location any paranormal investigator or ghost hunter would like to visit. But plan on having a lengthy sit-down with Brian and Jerry before you're able to get the go-ahead. Oh, you think they'll get a word in with me? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Marcus, thank you so much. And have a Merry Christmas. Thank you. You too, thanks. Bye. Bye.
I kind of blew that show, didn't I? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Running not off the all. mouth. Anyway, uh, anything you'd like to add before we run out? we got about like 15, 20 seconds or so. Uh, the only thing I'd like to add was that it was an extremely great pleasure to do this with you today. And, uh, you know, maybe sometime in the future if you ever need somebody to fill in again. Oh, sure. I'd actually like to do a show on Dark Shadows. Maybe we can get some of them characters from the show on or, or go into it a little bit more or do a kind of a twisty thing on it. But I definitely would love to do anything. Uh, so, Brian, I want to thank you so much for helping me out here. And uh, uh, once again, uh, uh, Merry Christmas to you and the calling would end. And we will get down here, I promise you. <laughs> okay, thank you and a Merry Christmas to you. And... Uh Door's always open for you to come down and do your investigation. We'll leave the light on, right? That's right. <laughs> All right. Good night, everyone. Good night. See you next year. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump out.